Hello, and welcome to Field Notes, the weekly podcast of the Military Fellowship Center in Jacksonville, North Carolina, serving Marines stationed at Cap Lejeune and surrounding areas. Military Fellowship Center is a ministry of Military Evangelism Incorporated. Our speaker and host for the program is Dave Mason, the General Director of Military Evangelism and the Field Director at Jacksonville. Visit us on the web at militaryfellowshipministry.com or email us at militaryfellowshipctr at gmail.com. Now, here's Dave Mason. We continue our study of the book of John this week with John chapter 6. And so far in chapter 6, Jesus has performed two very impressive miracles. The first, very public, the feeding of the 5,000, which was actually more like 10 or 20,000 or 5,000 men. Very public miracle on the hillside. And then the second, a very private miracle. Late at night on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus walking on the sea just so that his disciples could see him and so that their faith might be strengthened. He performs these two miracles so that he could have the opportunity to preach the sermon that we're now beginning to study. And in this um, sermon we're going to look at from Jesus, we see the ministry of grace and truth that John talked about in John 1.17. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace was when he fed them bread. Truth was when he fed them the word of God. And here we see people just like the folks all around us today, people who wanted bread, They desired physical blessings. They wanted to be entertained by miracles. They wanted to get something physical out of the gospel. Now, lots of folks today are trying to get rich, get well, get anything by spiritual truth. When what they needed was not more bread, because bread perishes. What they needed was spiritual truth. They needed the imperishable, the everlasting salvation that only Jesus Christ can give. So we pick back up in our verse 22 of John chapter 6, and it says this, The day following, after he had done these things, the day following, when the people which stood on the other side of the sea saw that there was none other boat there, save that one whereinto his disciples were entered, and that Jesus went not with his disciples into the boat, but that his disciples were gone away alone, Howbeit there came other boats from Tiberias, nigh unto the place where they did eat bread. After that the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, neither his disciples, they also took shipping. They got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking for Jesus. And when they had found him on the other side of the sea, they said unto him, Rabbi, when camest thou hither? Verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, you seek me, not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. Father, thank you for the day. Thank you for the opportunity to preach your word. Thank you for all that are listening right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So here's these seeking people. They come after Jesus. They, they wake up the next morning, and, and they, stay, they look around, and, and Jesus isn't there. Now, they had seen him that night before head off into the hills without his disciples. They thought maybe he was going away to pray. And, and they heard from people that the disciples had taken a boat across the sea. So they go to great lengths to find him. They want, they want their bread giver back. They want the guy who fed them back. And they, they, they know the disciples have gone over to sea, so they get in boats and they go after him. And when they find him, what a silly question. How did you get here? When did you get here? Jesus, how did you get here? When did you get here? Why did you leave us? You know, it's funny how we can see Jesus do miracle after miracle and yet insist on doubting. 
and then questioning why and how and when. Jesus answers them the way he answered Nicodemus. Remember Nicodemus, the old man in John chapter 3? He said, Jesus, no man can do the things that you do except God be with him. Jesus cut right to the point and said, Nicodemus, except you're born again, you can't be saved. Except you're born again, you can't go to heaven. And just here, same thing. They go, uh, well, how did you get here? When did you get here? And he says, listen, you don't seek me because you saw miracles. You seek me because you ate of the loaves and were filled. See, it's bad enough to follow Christ just for the excitement, for the signs and the wonders. Jesus said, an adulterous and wicked generation seeks after a sign. There are people who, even today, they go to church for the signs and the wonders. They go for the excitement. They go for great music and lights and sound and all that sort of thing. And they go for uh, big acts and displays of faith and people falling over and all that sort of thing. Jesus said, that's not what you're supposed to be seeking after. And these folks that came to Jesus now, they're even worse than that. They're not just looking for the signs and wonders. They're looking for their bellies to be filled. See, a lot of folks go to church, but not a lot of folks go to church for the right reasons. Some people look at the church just as a source of physical provision. And the church can be a source of physical provision. And it should be on occasion a source of physical provision. But it should not be an excuse not to work. Jesus said, you didn't come here because you saw miracles. It'd be, it'd be bad enough if all you were doing was following me for the miracles. You're not even listening to me. But you came here just because you wanted food. You just wanted me to feed you so you didn't have to work. 1 Timothy 5, 8 says, If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Listen, God did not call us so that we could shirk our responsibility to work. Jesus did not save you so that you could be lazy. Should you look to the Lord for your provision? Absolutely. How does the Lord provide? By giving you a job. (laughs) By giving you work. By expecting you to labor with your hands. It's part of the curse, folks. We're supposed to labor with our hands. That's all there is to it. And being saved doesn't get you out of that provision. So what are you looking for out of Jesus? I mean, are you looking for answers? That's a good thing. Are you looking or do you have a physical need? There's nothing wrong with having your physical need met at a certain point, but not on and on and on, not ongoing. Are you looking for proof that he's God? Are you looking for a miracle, a sense of awe? Hey, all of those things in their place are okay, but what you need more than anything is salvation. Jesus said, You came after me not because you saw the miracles, but because you ate and you were filled. Then in verse 27, he says, Labor not for the meat which perishes. Don't go looking for bread, but for the meat that endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you. For him hath the Father, had God the Father sealed. Then they said unto him, Well, what shall we do that we might work the works of God? Again, they don't get it, do they? Jesus says, You came just looking for bread. But don't go after bread. Don't labor for things that perish. Look for the things that endure unto everlasting life, the things that I will give you, because I am the one God the Father has sealed. Now, in verse 27, three things are taught. Number one, labor not for meat meat which perishes. Physical labor is good, but it has no eternal value. All that is on earth perishes. 
And what we do with our hands could never please the Father. A lot of folks go through this world thinking that they have to do good works to make God happy with them. Heard a very prominent politicians say recently that uh, it's understood that faith that, that salvation comes through faith plus works. I'm sorry, but that's wrong. Faith plus nothing. Works do not save us. Works cannot save us. Our works cannot be acceptable to God because they're works with filthy hands, unclean hands, unclean hearts. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. We all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. Folks, if we could do something good enough for God, then Jesus died in vain. Galatians 2, 21, I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness comes by the law, by things I do, then Christ died in vain. If we could do something to make God happy with us, why did Jesus have to die? Jesus said, don't labor. Don't labor for meat that perishes, but for meat that endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give you. You don't even have to labor for it. I'll give it to you if you just come to me, if you'll listen. And when you come to me and you become a child of God, don't concern yourself with fretting over physical needs. Because he takes care of that for you. Luke chapter, 20, uh, chapter 12, verses 22 through 31. Jesus says, Consider the lilies of the field. They toil not, nor do they spin. And yet they are arrayed more beautifully than Solomon ever was in all of his glory. Think about the crows. Think about the sparrows. Think about the little birds. Not a single one of them drops to the ground, except your Father in heaven knows And you're worth more than many, many, many of those. The very hairs on your head are numbered. So quit fretting about what you need. God clothes the field. He feeds the birds. Of course he's going to take care of you. You're made in his image. And so Jesus is teaching us that spiritual labor comes after he gives life. Spiritual labor comes after we gain salvation. Jesus uses the phrase labor not to indicate both what they were doing and what they were intending. They, they were worried about the physical, not the spiritual. And we're never to be worried about the physical. We're supposed to be concerned with the spiritual. Eternal life is a gift, not a work that we can attain. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. John 10, 28, And I give unto them, the, the, my sheep, eternal life, and they shall never perish. I give them. Give. It's a gift. And they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Romans six twenty three. For the wages, the payment for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's a gift, folks. Now listen, if I hand you a gift and you take it, but you never open it, it doesn't do you any good. I've said this before. Gifts have to be received. And so you can't sit back and say, well, Jesus died for the sins of the world, therefore I'm okay. No, you have to receive the gift. Once you receive it, it changes your life. And the only one who can give this life is Jesus Christ. He said, labor not for meat that perishes, 
but for the meat that endures unto everlasting life, which the Son of Man shall give unto you, for him hath God the Father sealed. He's the only one. He is the only one. He said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. There is salvation in no other man, no other being in this universe than Jesus Christ. Peter echoes that in Acts 4, 12. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And Jesus explains this to them and says, look, I'm, going, I'm offering you eternal life. I'm going to give it to you because I'm the one sealed by God the Father. And what do they ask him? Well, what do we got to do? They pick up on the word labor and they miss out on the word give. Let me explain this to you really, really quickly. Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. Christianity is a relationship that's established through faith, which carries God's grace to the believer's soul. It's a relationship. Once you get that relationship down, everything comes to second nature. You don't have to walk around going, I wonder if God wants me to do this. I wonder if God wants me to do that. I wonder if I should do this. I had a saying in, in, when I was a pastor, and my church knew it very well. And I said this all the time. If you're coming to me and you're going to say to me, Pastor, is it okay for me to stop right there because it's not? My answer is no. Because you already know, you if you have the Spirit of God living within you, you know what is right and wrong for you in God's will because you have the Spirit of God living within you. If you're coming and asking me if it's okay for me to do something, what you're really doing is looking for permission. You're hoping that you're misreading God's will for you and you're asking for permission so that you can do something that you know is evil for you. That's hard, isn't it? Christianity is not a list of do's and don'ts. It's a relationship. And when you enter into that relationship, you already know. You know what is correct. You know what you should do. You know what you should not do. When we spend our time wondering, what can I do to make God happy with me? Instead of, thank God you saved me without any of my works. Now, how can I serve you? When you spend your time wondering, what can I do to make God happy with me? You frustrate the grace of God. You should spend your time saying, Lord, you saved me. Thank you. Now, what can I do in return? How can I serve you? We don't work to get saved. We work because we're saved. If you are in any way trusting your good works to get you to heaven, my friend, you won't go. Because it is by faith and faith alone in Jesus that we attain salvation. There is no other way. And if you're trusting, if you're trusting some saint, if you're trusting some prayer, if you're trusting some work, if you're trusting the money you give, if you're trusting because you uh, were on your knees long enough that they bled, uh, whatever it is that you're trusting, if you're trusting some, some, uh, you know, uh, some prayers that you said because you were told to say them, you don't have eternal life. If you're trusting Jesus and only Jesus and you've accepted him as Lord and Savior and allowed him into your life, you know it. You know it. John wrote in his first epistle, but these are written that you may know that you have eternal life and that this life is in the Son of God. You can know 
you will know. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says that the Spirit of God confirms with our spirit that we're the children of God. Gives us that assurance. So these people, they say to Jesus, what do we have to do? What's the work do we have to work? How can we attain this salvation? What do we have to do? What mountain do we have to climb? What penny do we have to give? What service do we have to render in order to have this eternal life? Verse 29, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. See, seeking people, striving people, they need to quit seeking and striving and just get saved. Because there's only one work in true salvation, and it's not really a work. It's, it's, it's surrender. We call it faith, but it, faith is just surrender. It's just saying, God, you're right. I'm wrong. I surrender. I accept what you did on my behalf. I ask you humbly as best I know how to save my soul, take me to heaven when I die. That's it. That's the work. Not even a job, is it? It's not work. It's surrender. Faith is the necessary ingredient to get to heaven. Hebrews eleven six says, Without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Faith is the thing that gets us to God. Faith is that thing which God uses to reward us with his grace. You say, well, how do I have faith? How do I know I have faith? Do you know the word of God? Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You say, well, I don't know my Bible very well. Well, get to know it. <laughs> hey, Christians, for years, Christians have said to me, well, I, I can't share my faith with somebody. I don't know enough of the Bible. Well, what are you doing with your time? You have time to watch the evening news. You have time to watch that sitcom. You have time to watch that reality TV program, but you don't have time. You don't have a half hour to sit and read your Bible each day. Let me tell you something. If you'll just sit and read your Bible for a half hour each day, you'll finish it in about a year. You'll have read the whole thing. Start over again next year. Read it through again. And then the next year, read it through again. You'll get to know it. Maybe you'll actually enjoy it, and you'll, you'll come to, to, to crave it, and you'll start reading for an hour a day. Then you'll be reading through your Bible every six months or so. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when we get faith, God gives us that faith. Romans chapter 12, God has given to every man the measure of faith. You don't need more faith, folks. You just need to learn how to use the faith God's given you. And as you read the Word of God, you can learn how to use the faith God's given you. You can see Bible characters like Zacchaeus. You can see Bible characters like Naaman. You can see Bible characters uh, like David and Noah and, and Peter and James and John. And you'll go, oh, fifth work for those guys. This is what these guys, oh, okay, so this is how you approach God. You'll learn because faith is the thing. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, again. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. That's it. It's a gift. 
It's not of works, because if you could work, if you could do something to make God happy with you, you'd brag about it, and you know it. And so, here is the final thing that I want to say today. Jesus said in John 6.29, This is the work of God, that you believe on Him whom He has sent. So how do you believe on Him? When He says that you believe on Him, He's talking about being saved. He's talking about being born again. So here it is. Very simple. Number one, know that you sinned. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, that's Adam, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Romans 6.23, The wages of sin is death. Because we are sinners, because we are born into a sin condition, because we embrace that sin, all of us, because we all sin, you say, well, I'm not that bad a sinner. doesn't matter how bad a sin you are, sinner you are. All you have to be is a sinner. One sin is an affront to the glory and the majesty and the holiness of God. God can't have sin in his presence. So it has to be dealt with. It has to be cleansed. And because sin is so deep within us, it's, it's down into our, it, it, it seeps into our blood. I mean, the first sin that's, that's recorded in the Bible is, of course, eating the forbidden fruit. But then the second sin that's recorded in the Bible is the slaying of an innocent. Cain killing his brother, spilling his blood. And God says, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. It's such a deep offense and it so deeply hurts us that God had to do something very personal in order to pay the debt for our sins. He gave his son. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son on the cross that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 1 John 4.10, here in his love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Titus 3, 4 and 7, through 7, but after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, that being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. We're sinners. God loves us. He sent his son to die in our place, shed his blood to pay the price for our sins. And all we have to do is believe the gospel. And here's the gospel. The most succinct explanation of the gospel is found in Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's it. That's the gospel. Christ died for our sins, according to scriptures, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again, according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. You believe that? Call on Jesus. You can attain eternal life, and you'll never lose it. It's described in Romans chapter 10, verses 9, 10, 11, and 13, like this. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead... Thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. 
For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you've never called upon the name of the Lord, if you never called on Jesus and asked him to come into your life, if you've never told him and, and, and expressed him and showed him by, by, by your words that you believe he was and is and evermore shall be, that he died for you, that he shed his blood for you, that he was buried and that he physically rose out of the grave on the third day. If you believe those things and you call on him, he will save your soul. He promises you and there's nothing more you have to do. No work you have to perform, and you never have to keep that salvation. Jesus said in John chapter 10, My sheep, my Father who gave them to me is greater than all, and no man's able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. It means you can't even take yourself out of the Father's hand. It's done. If you've never called on Jesus, call on today. Today is a day of salvation. Thanks again for listening. Until the next time, I'm Dave Mason. Thank you for joining us for Field Notes. If you have been blessed by the preaching and teaching you have heard, consider visiting our website at militaryfellowshipministry.com and click the Donate button. Any amount will be a great help to us as we continue to reach our men and women in the military with the gospel. Join us next week as we continue our study of God's Word. God bless you.